Hey, everybody, this is Larry the Cable Guy. Check this out. So I'm in my truck driving with my buddy, and we was heading up to the men's warehouse to fart in the suits, and he's listening to his phone. And I said, that sounds like Hermes Sadler. He said, it is Hermes Sadler. He's got a podcast called Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator. I said, Sadler and the Senator? He said, yeah, that's his good buddy, Virginia State Senator Bill Stanley. I said, well, what in the world? He didn't know this. I said, did you know that Hermie Sadler was voted one of the 50 best-looking drivers in NASCAR? He said, I did not know that. I said, because it ain't true. <laughs> you never know, though. He never takes off his helmet. But I know one thing. This show, Leaning Right, Turning Left, is good. So pull up a chair right there by your phone, get yourself a cold beer, and give a listen right here to this week's episode of Leaning Right, Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator. I'll tell you what, I bet Michael Waltrip's even listening. He's always wanted to do something like that. Oh, Sadler, got another one over on Waltrip. Get her done! I'm Virginia State Senator Bill Staley, and I'm leaning right. And I'm Hermie Sadler, and I'm turning left, leaning right, and turning left with Sadler and the Senator. It's back, powered by Pacematic. Hi, Hermie. What's up, Senator? Man, I am living the dream right here at the beautiful Sadler Compound. On beautiful Lake Aston, just and, across the line of Virginia into North Carolina, where they can't touch us. And we've got our third wheel back for another edition. Edition? Edition? Shep Mouse. What's up, Burn Pie? How y'all doing today? Man, we're doing great. I'm just back trying to make all the listeners and the sponsors happy. If I was any better, I'd be you. You know what I mean? Oh, that would. that is true. Mm-hmm. I, I noticed you pulled up in the Cadillac of pontoon boats here and moored your vessel here at the saddler <laughs> at the saddler compound how do you spell that vessel no the first word saddler <laughs> moored moored m-o-o-r-e-d moored your vessel moored your vessel yes we're here at the saddler uh, compound right here lo- overlooking the beautiful lake gaston and, and we've got a great guest today but we've got shep moss back we're back with a vengeance in this podcast. We've got exciting new content that we're bringing to the fore. Everybody who uh, has been listening and have been so faithful, we've had so many listeners, and, and I've gotten a lot of emails and texts about the weeks we took off. They were looking for where we were, but I actually got, Hermie, a text from Shep Moss, who was approached by somebody in the racing industry who recognized Shep from this podcast. Did you hear that? I heard the guy was concerned about the podcast, where it was, if it was coming back, when it was coming back, and Shep was signing autographs in the food line. <laughs> From one of the most famous motor racing teams in NASCAR Cup. I spoke with him again today, as a matter of did fact. Did you? Did yes. you tell him that we're coming back on the air now? That I did his but I told him I'd let him know when we had a new episode. Excellent. So what's new, Shep? I mean, what are you up to? What have you been up to for the past week? Man, I am... Uh, been busy getting our business closed, getting right. our building vacated. We, we talked about that last week. Talked That's about great. that what you're doing for the there. Wonderful Feet program. Mm-hmm. And just trying to enjoy the rest, uh, last days of dog days of summer that's going on now. And uh, just really living my best life. I'm very fortunate. Whew, that was boring. We got a great show lined up. You know, Bill, you and I have talked about several times about trying to, you know, intertwine some of our, we've been really one of the reasons why we took a couple of weeks off. We've been talking really nothing but politics for the last six yeah. or eight months. So we wanted to get back and, and bring some 
different topics back to the show. One of them that, that Bill and I are both passionate about is certainly is racing. Mm-hmm. And we're involved with Sadler Stanley Racing and our uh, our cars on a smart modified tour. Also the Wheeling NASCAR tour. And our guest on the show today, Bill, not only drives for us some on the smart modified tour, but is also one of not only a, a friend of, of mine and ours, yeah. but a partner in my karting operation that I do with Robin Bradshaw, Premier Racing Chassis, um, a, a distributor and, uh, and team uh, partner with that. And that is Jonathan Cash. And Jonathan, we appreciate you coming up and uh, being on the show. Jonathan is from the Oxford, North Carolina area, P&P Speed Shop. And so we got a lot to talk about. Big Tar Heel fan, too. Definitely not, Definitely not. Definitely not. Now wait. Now, now I've seen pictures of him about a week ago on Facebook. He's wearing the exact same hat and the exact same shirt as was on Facebook. I don't, th- I don't think. I'm and you're not wearing the, about six months. You, I think not, I'm good. All right. Well, the hat's the same. The hat's the same. All right. Yeah. So, and you're not wearing the company logo stuff. You know, the Sadler Stanley Racing you know, stuff. You know the merch. I gave you some. You didn't give me the like. Uh, the shirt? The shirt. Okay. Well, I'll work on that. That's my fault. I ain't gotten a shirt yet either, John. Don't one. worry. Hey, I don't know. No I drove, really? I think I drove three races before I got a shirt. Well, I gave you like a garbage bag full of like sweatshirts, t-shirts, and stuff. And sweatshirt be perfect today. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we go up last year. Hermie and I drive up to Senator's office to tape a podcast. And we do a couple. And... um we're leaving, and he takes me out to his vehicle, opens his door to his his Cadillac, I might add, an SUV. The grocery getter. And it's loaded with uh, SNS swag. And he's, the whole time, I'm going to get you one, I'm going to get you one. He opens it up. I don't think I got any to fit you, and he shuts the door back. So I still don't have one. I don't have triple XL. I mean, the, the diet challenge is not working so far. I can tell from the both of you guys. I've got you guys beat. I could start eating cheeseburgers right now until the next it's few weeks. It's been a challenging... And I'm telling you... It's been I'm a challenging summer. We've had a lot going on. It's very stressful. That's why I have a stress <laughs> test in the morning, mind y'all. Yeah, but you were supposed to be doing this for... I thought you had it this morning. I had to postpone it so I could work a half a day so I could come down and spend the afternoon with y'all and move my haircut. So the stress test is now at eight thirty in the morning. I can't imagine I'll have any stress after being around you all. You're stressing me out just talking about it. And then my haircut's Friday. I'll be announcing the opening ceremonies of the Dixie Boys World Series that's taking place in South Hill this weekend. Teams from twelve states. So it's going to be a big time. I got a I got a busy weekend coming. So you need to have your hair at the perfect level. And I'm playing on a golf tournament, mind you, and y'all both know how that's going to end. You playing this week? So how does a how does a haircut help you with any of that? Right. Don't you wear a baseball cap at a baseball game? No, not, not like when I'm announcing. Doing here. Are you not umpiring anymore? No, I'm announcing now. He, he used to be the ump. Come on, Blue. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the book. <laughs> Ask Elliot. It's in the book. He'll tell you. Man, I used to umpire. I, I umpired. There's no way in hell you umpire. Absolutely. In fact, I quit playing baseball so I could umpire. With that? Because it was making money. I, I'd get 10 bucks a game for Vienna Little League. My most famous story is I threw Joe Thosman out of a Vienna Little League baseball game. It's a very true story. It showed up in the Washington Post. Can we talk to our guest now? Sure, but you don't want to hear my interesting story about Joe Thosman? Guys, let's hear your story about okay. Joe Thosman. So Joe Thosman had a son, and he, he'd won the Super Bowl. He had a son named Joey, played on the Orioles. 
And he was a big guy, a big little kid. And he could throw some heat, but his heat, little kid. his heat well, you had you, no control. Just so I understand. What age group? Are you behind the, 12, group? Are you behind the plate? Behind under. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got the, I got the. How do you ring somebody up? What do you mean? How you throw them out? <laughs> I mean, are you cranking the weed eat on them? I are mean, you doing the karate can, chop? I mean, how you going to strike three? Mine's the right hand up here. Right oh. there. Make the fist. Oh. Even for a call out? For, for call strike three? Zoop. He looked like he's done that before, doesn't he, John? No, he's not, got a lot of right wrist in that strike not, not call. Right Pornhub left the commonwealth. When you did, the, did you did you ring him up? I had a couple different different moves depending on whether it was swinging, whether it was down the gut, whether it was on the corner a little bit. I had a couple different moves. Like what? Let's see. Well, or, you crank the weed eat on them. You now, how can. What does that look like? Oh, that's, that's <laughs> <laughs> you're pulling the cord. Yeah, you're pulling the cord. Okay, absolutely. All right. What's another one? If I'm, um, sw- if I'm swinging a miss, if you're swinging and it's just strike three, you just signal strike three. You don't say anything. You don't do anything. Everybody knows it's strike three. Okay, so if it's um, a close pitch that you're gonna give the pitcher. That's the one you have to sell the most. So that one you may get a little more animated on. All right. So how would you be more animated then? I mean, do you do like a Michael Jackson moonwalk kind of? Well, no. no. Would you say? Would you say that's on the corner? Or? No, 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 no. You don't say anything. You wouldn't point where it was. Strike. No. Floyd Cole used to talk all the time. Oh, Floyd Cole said, "Yeah, in the middle." <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. Uh-uh, so what no. would you do on a close one? Oh, maybe chest high, a little bit on the inside. Well, that's a ball. <laughs> that's no, no, still strike. inside. Just you just said he told us if right you go something, you're going to give the picture. Yeah, yeah but you now can't you give the picture away to the that. Secrets. Now you're talking about <laughs> when you're going to give the picture a different zone. Look, well, high, high and inside is not a pitch that you get. No, no, no. Right at the boobies, right at the armpit level. I mean, right and in there inside, on the line. No, no, no. it's a ball every inside, time. Inside, inside on the Look, line of the plate. The only time. Left inside the of the plate. The only time a good and well-trained umpire. Like yourself. Yes, I've been to two pro schools. <laughs> you know thank you. I've been to two pro schools. Thank you. I've been to Williamsport. Umpired Williamsport games. How about that? In the softball league, that don't count. No, no, no. Little Those league. men's pickup league, league World Series. So, if you're going to give the pitcher a pitch, it's got to be a hittable pitch. High and inside is not a hittable. No, no, no. Pitch. Let's just say it's right. It's right at the top, top of the strike zone. Well, why are you? On why the is a trained umpire that's been to all these schools? Why are you changing your strike zone in the middle of the game? Well. It's not in the middle of the game. You stay consistent with it, okay? But you don't have to give the pick and or something. At a twi- look, at a 12-year-old. Johnny a, Cash, tell him, man. Oh, at a 12 year, <laughs> that's $25. <laughs> at a 12-year-old level, if you don't call hittable pitches strikes, you will be there all night long. And good coaches know that you're going to have to call some pitches. So how did you let paper. them know? With your, You couldn't pull the weed eater. Oh, I don't want to the weed <laughs> What's your big I'm not, doing, I'm not doing your You're not doing like that. Hey, the porn hub out. <laughs> <laughs> You're not jerking the gherkin. And I'm not so, doing that. So what's your move? What's your signature move? I mean, I really got to stand up and do yeah, it? Yeah, see. Absolutely. Oh, hell. Uh, Are you we'll going to do yours? We'll describe it. Will you do yours? Sure. You're going to do yours? Sure. He just said his. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was. <laughs> and I'm pointing. Yep. I got thrown off by. He's still not doing his stand up. Listening to him. You pulled a weed eater, and then you said if it's one you, a pitch you got to sell, you got to get a little more demonstrative. I'm yeah. What number one, why do you have to. Listen. A pitch you have to sell is not a strike, is it? Very good point, and a great question. It may not be a ruled 
strike. But if it's a hittable pitch, and if you have to move the game along, okay, the game, you're throwing the game. You, you're making you're balls jacking strikes. up the people in the concession stand. They're trying to sell hot dog. You trying to get out of there? Right. I gotta I'm go. I'm the fundraiser. You get, go. You're getting paid the same amount whether the game was an hour and fifteen minutes or two hours. So you go calling little Johnny out. <laughs> you damn right. What he better I? be swinging today. <laughs> little Johnny better be swinging today. Party time's got a gig at six thirty. Yeah. <laughs> now come on. Let's see it. Come on. What? So did you use the big balloon chest protector? Well, I did. I, I mean, and, I'm sure you would. And then I went to the underguard. Because your age. Yeah, yeah. It was the at heart. your age, that was probably all you had. It was called the heart back in the 70s and 80s, yes. And then uh, I went to underguard. But the problem was is when I, when I you could use that big. Because that's what Floor Coley used. You could use the big front thing to block something when it when it tipped off the catcher's, uh, ma- uh, off his mask or off his, his glove. But, man, when you were just sitting there with your umpire shirt and something underneath with the guard underneath, you could take one right in the throat. Johnny, I mean, that was before about the racing in a few minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm good with the baseball. <laughs> so, so tell us, what is your magic move on a ball that, you that is a not strike? a strike, but I mean, you got to go? Johnny back to his daddy. I got appointment. He's pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> he got rung up three times in one game. I got appointment. I got to go. Hey, oh, hey, and none of them were strikes. None of them were strikes. Because the umpire had a gig. Come on. It's perfect. It's perfect. I got to go to Memory Makers and do the last half hour before so, out. One right down the middle, you said you pulled a weedy. I pulled a weedy. On strike three. All right. So when you go call Swing little Johnny out on the right the hand that I obvious ball <laughs> above the head. <laughs> right? Well, you make the fist. No. No, no. On one, on a call that you've got to sell. <laughs> Right, look. Which you shouldn't be making, but go ahead. I All gotta right. sell because it's so it flew over the kid's fucking head. But I gotta go. <laughs> Come on, man. That's see. not what I said. You know, it was close. <laughs> right. Stand up, show us. We'll describe it. Oh, I gotta it. show you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's I'll what we're asking. You. All right, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. That? I'm gonna try One to do right play down by the play. middle. It's just a yeah. Let's All do right. the down the middle. So. Depends on the you size use of the, the front bat. guard. You no, use no, no, the no, no. I use under 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 guard. So depending on the size of the bat, I'd either do a box stand. Uh huh. But then I got old and fat. My belly would hang over, so I had to go to get the a little closer stand. to the mic. There. <laughs> I had to go to the sizzle stand. See this? Did you use it? One knee forward, one knee back. Yeah, I got both hands on my knee. No, I was younger when I did this. I was the age of thirteen to So if to it's 18. one right down the pipe, I might just pull the rope on. Okay. okay. Right there. For strike three. For strike three. I bet three. one and two, you just throw the hand up. Oh, yeah. If it, well, I just point to the side. Kind of casual. Uh, you know, it's one down the pipe. You don't right. Okay. And I just point. All right. Okay. Okay. It was a ball. I just say ball. I don't point. I don't tell them where it's at. Now, how'd right. you say ball? You go ball. Ball. Really? Just ball? Just ball. <laughs> so a strike. Ball. We just. Yeah. I'll, all right. Down the middle, pop. Strike. And I point. All right, okay. so he stands up if from I'm a scissor using kick. The box stance, All right. I would say strike, and I'd stand up and kind of do like right. a time. That was my big thing. Okay. Make the grip. Yeah, but you're doing Right hand up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to entertain the crowd. Multiple gyrations. <laughs> I mean, your hand. I'm trying to get the coach to ask me out after the game with that move, you know? I mean, you're doing strike like a jackrabbit. <laughs> <laughs> right? Okay. All right, here's the, here's the ball that you want to be a strike because you got to go. All right. The one you so got to sell. comes in and it's close. Now, you gone to yep. the scissors late scissors. in your career. Because yeah. my belly. I had to go to the scissors. Because <laughs> it was just so much easier. Okay. Right. It re- and so if it came in, I would go and play. Hold Three. All right. So, so for the listener who can't see this on TV, he would slowly get out of his scissor kick. Looks like he's. he's oh, it's slow. Was that for one for right down the middle? 
three. That one will be more like a, a Dan in the middle. All right. Yeah. Well, what we're looking for is that God is We've got to get back to the one, the, the, the mystery strike. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the invisible pitch. The invisible pitch. <laughs> that you're pissed off because Johnny's daddy bought a car from Hardy Ford, <laughs> and you're going to ring him up on a ball. <laughs> That one. That's the one we're trying to figure yeah, out. Yeah, right? We're, we're ten minutes we're trying to get this one out. You know what I would tell the daddy? It sounded like a strike. <laughs> so I mean, let's it see sounded it. like a strike. Let's see this. Let's see. We don't want to pop into your stitches, but let's so see. So one that everybody in the stands knows that yep. Johnny just didn't swing. The ball was right down the middle, waist high fastball to catch I mean, you pulled a yeah, rope. Sometimes I would go this way. I'd kick. Which you, right you're, oh, so you're like throwing small, it overhand, a little punch. small, just a little, just a little, you know, just a little. Huh. So he pulls out and makes a punch play. to the right yeah. without changing position. All right, okay. so he takes his right hand. One right down the middle, I'd go, hey! Ooh, just hit Three. Sometimes I just throw my hand All right. up. Now, okay. we're, we're getting to the strike that wasn't a strike. <laughs> All right, but I'm, I, I mean, I have never wanted an ending so bad in my life <laughs> to see what happens here than right now. All right, now here's the pitch that sounded like. <laughs> The best podcast the ever. When you're not saying it, but thinking to yourself, you just wait, Johnny. I, I'm going to be here all damn day. You're fitting to go back to the big game. There's not many more scissor kicks I can give in this game. I got to get out of here. My you belly. Swing Please swing so we're, we're looking for the get one that is clearly not a strike, but you're going to ring this little kid up yeah, yeah. for a personal reason. Okay, go ahead. Oh, well, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to turn to the side with this hand. I'm and you're going to find the dad. You're going to find you're dad, dad. dad with his chap against yeah. Johnny's dad. Look at the dad. I'm going, look at that. <laughs> He's got the middle finger out, and oh, then yeah. he pulls He pulls it yeah. under. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, let's see your. And, and I saw a kick. I saw a kick. Well, let's see your strike three. Now, Matt, one, one, I, one more question, then we get to your bill. Why would you sometimes, would you go the other direction on a left-handed batter? Um, well, if it's a left-handed batter, you always signal strike. You always signal strikes, regardless right or left hand, with your right hand. Right. A strike. Yeah, strike right. is right hand. But so the crowd could see it, you would point to your left with your right hand. Okay. Uh-huh. On how, third many, strike? how many times were you escorted out of the uh, out of the baseball? The third field? on a left right hand a left handed would you and didn't point here or. It just depends on the pitch. It depends I'm really on worried the, about who's getting pointed to. Because yeah, that can really cause a problem. Remember, you're not supposed to use your finger like that. Hey, look, it, it depends on the pitch, the game situation. It depends on a lot how you would call strike. But, uh, so you're willing to admit on the podcast that as an umpire, the score of the game no. and who's batting would I do- did not say that. Okay. I did not say that. Or if you're running a little late and you're worried about daylight or you got something to do. And I didn't say that either. Well, it sounded like it. Look. <laughs> How do you know what I like about you, Billy? <laughs> Nothing. Not a damn yeah, that's thing. Right. That's right. Look. <laughs> well, you are willing to admit that you had a preconceived notion of when you might call a strike on a guy? No. Before look, the pitch. The pitch has got to be hittable. If it's hittable and you're calling eight-year-old kids – You've got to call some hittable pitches. If you're waiting for a 17 by 17 inch strike, it's walk, 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 walk. The coaches that are good coaches that have been around the block for a while, they know you're not going to have any problem with Don't you have a slaughter rule where you just like, if they're just scoring all these runs, you're going to get out early anyway? Who wants to stand out there for an hour and an inning with no hits? It's part of the game. Don't act like y'all don't know this in part of the game. Damn, baseball game is rigged. I'm a bad news bag. It's buttermaker. 
Don't act like Chico's bail, bonds. Chico's bail Bonds is not getting their, their mean, sponsorship look, money if they're uh, done in an hour. Even on TV, even with K-Zone, the umpire will ring them up on occasion, mm. on a questionable pitch. Have you ever been like uh, pitchforks and torches like chased out of a baseball stadium? I never have. Yeah. I never have. And I'll tell Was you why. Was it close? Was there a close you, moment? No. Um, that was and my I'll next you, question. I yeah. tell you why. Thanks, John. <laughs> and I've been fortunate. We're going to get to you. I swear to God. I've been fortunate enough to do little league through the World Series, all the way through some college ball. Mm. And Elliot will know this from travel ball. If the at that level, if the coaches and even the players and the parents, if they see you hustling, they see you're in position, they know you're human, they know you're going to miss a call or miss a pitch. They will respect you. It's a difference in liking and respecting. I probably wasn't well liked at some ballparks or by some coaches. Or parents. But I do think I was always respected. I was on time. I, my uniform was state trooper clean and press. Um, I was well versed in the rules. And, okay, did I get every call right? No. Did I fall down and call one from left field out at first when I couldn't see it? No, I didn't do that either. So, you know, I did that 35 years. I can walk on the field anywhere today in the state of Virginia and umpire. Can you imagine that the mom and dad are in the stadium, they see Shep show up in his nicely pressed umpire shirt, and they go, we're going to be done in 30 minutes here. He's got things to do. I'm just trying to picture him, like, running down the first baseline to get to a call. Ooh. So was it one umpire, or did you have a crew of two? Most of the time it was two. Tournament time we had three. Okay. One in the outfield down the line. Did you prefer to be behind the plate or in the outfield? Infield? Really, um, probably behind the plate. You could speed the the game up more behind the plate, right? Well, behind the plate's really easier than the bases because you're really focused just kind of on the plate. I like the bases better. I like the bases. You know, the bases was more running, more moving. I kind of. I probably was a better plate umpire in managing the dugouts and handling the problems. His belly thought so. I was I was better umpire doing that than I was on the base. Okay. So getting back to my story. So this is the year after the Redskins lost to the uh, Raiders uh, when I was an umpire for Vienna Little League. Loved it. Ten bucks a game. I'd do three to four games a day on Saturdays. Make 40 bucks. I thought I was rich. Um, yeah, Joey Theismann played for the Orioles. Great coach. Great team. They're always in contention. We're up on the top field. Jonas Park. We're up on the top field. Joe Theismann comes in. He, he had a gold, like, Mark V, you know, one of those Lincolns. Parked it up kind of close up top. Um, he comes in. I'm, I'm behind the plate. Uh, Joey's pitching. Joey's wild. Joey has, I mean, kids were scared when they got up to the, to the, so into the None of them back. sounded like strikes. <laughs> you would have probably found some of those under your, uh, under your scenario strikes. Uh, these, were, these were head burners. They I were brush backs. They were the Redskins. <laughs> I lost money in the Super Bowl. Three. Uh, so, but it was chin music. I mean, he was throwing it. He was throwing the hardest he could, and he was very frustrated. It was a hot day. His face was red. Uh, Theismann, the dad, Joe Theismann, the, the football player, uh, parks himself, and of course, he's still the Redskin coach. I mean, Redskin quarterback. He parks himself um, behind the plate, and you know the the netting and the and the backstop. He Wait was in the bo- backstop. Wait a minute, you're telling me that you ejected a person that wasn't even a coach? 
Is that what you're getting to? Uh, so here goes my story. So he sat behind me, and, and I mean, these things are, these are grazing the eyebrows of these kids. I mean, they're so high. I go, ball, ball. And, you know, I, I want him to throw strikes too. Ball, ball. He's walking. Loads him up. I think he walks one in. And I start hearing, come on up. That was a strike. Come on. Starts a little low. Starts to build a crescendo. And, I mean, these are not even close to strikes. Not even Shep Moss strikes. Call another ball. And he starts screaming at me. And I stop the game, and I say, uh, sir, and I knew who it was. And I said, you're going to have to go down past first base, uh, past first base down the line there. You can stand at the fence past uh, right there. We used to have like the warm up, the, the bullpen, you know, the area where the kids would warm up to, to get ready on deck. So I said, you're going to go down there. Stop the game. He's like, wait, wait, wait. He starts scrapping. And, I, and he said a swear word. Now, I know he's Joe Thosman. He said the F-bomb, what I remember. And I didn't throw him out at that time because, you know, uh, I mean, bad language in a baseball park is not tolerant. Back then it would in the 80s. So I move him. He finally, uh, his coach tells him, get down there. He goes around, around past the dugout, which was a uh, center block dugout. And he leans in and he's still throwing balls. And I'm calling balls, balls. And he says another swear word, yelling at me. And his kid is just flustered. And I stopped the game. And I said, you're out. You're out of here. Throw out. And, the, and the parents on the other team start clapping. I mean, they must have been Raiders fans. They start clapping. He won't leave. <laughs> Cowboy fans. Yeah. He won't leave. And I said, sir, you're, you are ejected from this game. And you're not only ejected from this game, you're ejected from the park, Jonas Park. <laughs> and so I stopped the game, walked outside the gate, and made him go to his car. His car was about three cars down from the top. It was a big, slopey hill. There was a concession stand in the middle, right where the middle field are. Three fields. So is this a league? Here. Yeah. Vienna Little League. A famous a question. Vienna Lilly. Question. Yes. Do you realize that you only control as an umpire inside defense? Correct. However, the Vienna Lilly. Is, is that in the book? When it came to conduct, <laughs> they gave us full right. So I said, you've got to leave and you're ejected out of the park. We could eject them out of the park. Because I've never done that before, but I've never done that before. But this is a high-end Northern Virginia field, not one that you might have worked on. <laughs> <laughs> he gets in his gold Mark V. He's pissed. He backs up. He locks his bumper. You know how there's big bumpers on the Mark Vs in the 1980s? Kind of locks it into a van that's kind of parked there. <laughs> locks it. Moves forward again. <laughs> oh, your fault. Backs up. Oh, well, yeah, because I pissed him off. Backs up. Is this Joe Thousand we're talking about? Yeah, Joe Thousand. And he starts down the hill. Down the hill. I'm chasing after him in my full gear, you know. And you're 13? Heads, and I'm trying to stop them. Cause How he, old are you? Because he wrecked the car. I'm probably, I, was, I drove there, so I was sick. Well, in 1983, I guess, when was the, when did we lose to the Raiders? When the Redskins lost the Raiders? I don't know. I'm it was the year after. Man. Well, okay. So that's 82, 83. I'm in high school. Uh, and, uh, and I chased him down there and had him stopped. Uh, well, there was a guy there named Tony Kornheiser or, or somebody who was a, a reporter. I From ESPN? Might have been. Or uh, the interruption? The, yeah. That, I think that's him. Or one of the others. Uh, not Will Bond, but there was another one. And he was at the game, and he wrote about it. And my dad comes in, and I had not read the sports page, and said, what the hell did you do this weekend? But I, I uh, held the notoriety and fame of kicking out the Super Bowl champ and MVP, uh, so what we would do as umpires, if we were having a problem with a spectator, uh -huh. and if we could determine which team they were with, and most of the time you can, we would casually go by the head coach of that team and say, hey, Hermie, tough game, I get it, 
but you're going to have to do something with Stanley back here. He's causing a problem. I'm going to give you opportunity to handle it. And if you can't, then I'm going to handle it. But the way we would handle it is go to somebody with the league and say, Cash, I'm going to stop this game. And both teams are going in the dugout until he's out of the park. And then I would let the league handle it. Sometimes the leagues would have to call the police because it's public property. As you know, the leagues don't control the property. So the town would have to send a police oh, see, officer over. The only league owned the whole property. Oh, okay. well, that's a little different situation than what I was in. The owner's field. Because legally, I think you would agree, the umpire doesn't control the park. You can't make me leave that, the park. Well, there was one time in uh, Nottaway Park, can. which was across from where I lived, and I was doing a, a Little League game. We had one Little League uh, field, and we had a we had a regular-sized baseball field and a softball field up above. And the parents were so unruly that I moved them. I was able to move them off the bleachers, that the bleachers right into the backstop. And then uh, I moved them up to the softball field above. And the problem was is that now they were over top of me, and they were even, Made more, it even more worse. Pressure. But I could not remove them from the park. One more baseball question, then we got to get to our guest, John, over here. Because he's... <laughs> I mean, he drove like six hours to get so here, and he's like, what the hell, I'm man? so effing glad I right, came. You're on the bases. Yeah. You get a 50-50 call. Let's say a ball is hit the shortstop. He dives. He throws the ball from first base to first base from his knees, and it's a 50-50 call. How are you calling it? Ty goes the runner. I mean, they arrive at the same time? Ty it's goes a 50-50 call. What what is your definition of a 50 You're saying goal? because he he made it's such a yes. he made such yes. a Cal you Ripken would not play you don't want a 50-50 call you would not reward the defender if for making that if kind I can't of play. make the determination of clear out then I'm going to give it to the runner. Okay. Yeah. That's what I used to do. I miss it. But then, the level know, of corruption, I'm call bullshit. the level of corruption. <laughs> I'm calling bull that you get you bringing to the forefront of your umpiring days on is a 50-50 really disturbing. There's no thing as a 50-50 call. He's that or he's that goes all the way through to pros, what I just said. Every time. That if it's a good-looking play, it, you give it to the guy that made the good-looking okay. play rather to the They hit a dribbler to shortstop. <laughs> dribbler. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Back on the porn stuff. And the shortstop <laughs> runs up and catches it and makes a horrible throw. And the first baseman bobbles it, juggles it, and drops it. Well, not even drop it because then he would be safe. <laughs> safe. You're missing my point. Uh-huh. Good umpires on 50-50 calls call the pros. They will always reward effort on a 50. And it's got to be 50-50. I'm not talking about 52-48. 50-50, they're going to reward effort. If that batter is hustling down the line and he goes down and slides head first at first base and it's a 50-50 call, Every time the run will be safe. Hermie, I want, I want your brother Elliot to tell me uh, who we can gather up and file a class action lawsuit because there are a bunch of kids that did not get scholarships <laughs> in right. baseball because of this jack. 50 50. I'm just telling you. There. I mean, okay. there. If, you, right. if you can't make the call, you call it safe. I mean, if it's 50 50, tie goes the runner. I mean, it's. There's no tie. And. Well, if you sell it, it's not a tie. If my world, 50 50 is a tie. If yeah. you sell it, there is, they don't even come out and ask. Jonathan Cash, welcome to the show, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious, by the way. I think we've got more to talk about. I never about. saw your call. Huh? I never saw your strike through. Did you he wants to see how you uh, ring right somebody up? <laughs> oh, I believe that. Uh, like a big one? 
I said ring them up. You're ringing so, it off. So, all right, I'll do it. So, like, something sliding into home, ba- home plate, right? Home uh, base. Let's say home base. Uh, home base. <laughs> He's real experienced. <laughs> Are you wearing your mask? No. Or is it off? You got it off. Right, which hand is it in? Left. Why is it in your left hand? Because you make the calls with the right. I'm just checking you. See? He's right. So, I'd punch him out. Like, go! Like that. Uh-huh. I'd lean down and punch down out. Like, okay. Not, not. Pulling the not cranking the leaf blower. Stand up, stay up there. <laughs> stay up there. If it's a slide play, if it's a slide play, yeah. then call it. Safe round. 50 50? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a slide play, are you going to ask the defender to show you the ball first? Well, you should be able to see it. If not, you ask him to flip. So how many times have you called out and the dust settled and the ball was on the ground or laying at the backstop because the catcher missed it and uh, you called it too quick? Never, not like you, but there Bull- have been times where the ball was dropped or they did not have control and you might have punched him out and then changed your, changed your mind. So you called it too quick? Yeah, yes. 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 Thank Lord you. Lord umpire. Yes. You <laughs> called have it you never too done quick. that? Yes, and you learn from it. So now on a slide play, now the coaches know if I say, show me the ball, they know the out, I mean, the call is going to be an out. 50-50. They know. But see, but see, and umpiring, what I learned, especially in school and then and being taught by Frank Rizzo, who was the director of umpiring for, for the United States, you know, Little League. Yeah. Um, and, and got to umpire with him. Uh, what he always said was, Make sure your call is fast because your instinct is usually right. You can change that, but if you give yourself enough time, you're going to second guess. And that's why I said only on a slide play. If he's safe, if you're going to call him safe, you immediately call it safe because it doesn't matter if they have the ball or not, right? Uh Okay. But if you're going to call an out on a slide play, you should always say, "Show me the ball," and then that way you don't look like an idiot because the ball is rolling across the field. If, if anybody has it. a celebrity softball game and they want me and Shep to freaking be the clown umps, that would be awesome. That would be great. Let's see if we can do that. Hi, folks. This is Hermie Sadler. Thanks for listening to our all-new podcast, "Leaning Right and Turning Left" with Sadler and the Senator. I hope you are enjoying the show as much as Senator Stanley and I enjoy bringing it to you. Whether you're a family traveling together or a truck driver hauling freight up and down the highway, I hope you will take the time to visit one of our Sadler Travel Plaza locations in Virginia and North Carolina. Sadler Travel Plaza locations are licensed dealer locations for pilot travel centers. And we also carry Shell Motiva Petroleum products for our four-wheel friends. We pride ourselves on providing one-stop shopping for service, food, and entertainment. Our food options include Five Guys Burgers and Fries, Quiznos, Dairy Queen, Hermie Sadler's Faux Show Bar and Grill, Victory Lane Restaurant, Hunt Brothers Pizza, Dunkin' Donuts, and much, much more. Our locations include Sadler Travel Plaza in South Hill, located off I-85 at exit 12. The Sadler Travel Plaza of Emporia, which is conveniently located on exit 11B off I-95, and Sadler Travel Plaza on Highway 58 in Suffolk. We also have our North Carolina location, Sadler Travel Plaza in Dunn, North Carolina. That's exit 75 off I-95. We appreciate all of our customers. 
And Bill and I appreciate you listening to Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator, powered by Pacematic. Hey, this is Bill Stanley, Hermie Sadler's sidekick on this podcast. When I'm not in Richmond at the Capitol or doing this podcast, my real job for the past 27 years is as a trial attorney with the Stanley Law Group. Here at the Stanley Law Group, we represent our clients in every courthouse in the Commonwealth. No problem is too small for us to solve. No case is too big for us to win. Whether it's criminal charges, traffic offenses, civil disputes, litigation matters of any sort, we handle it all. We make sure that we treat every client like family because they are to us. Your problem is our problem. Your success is our success because we hate to lose more than we love to win. And believe me, we win a lot. Don't believe me? Go ask Hermie. I'm his favorite lawyer, and he hates lawyers. So give us a call at 540-721-6028 and let us help you. Or visit our website at www.vastanleylawgroup.com. That's www.vastanleylawgroup.com. At the Stanley Law Group, we'll make sure we're the lawyers that you swear by and not at. All right, once again, Jonathan Cash, when did you show up? How long have you been here, Six man? Six hours ago. All right, Hermie, <laughs> Hermie, me and the ump are going to take a break. It's all you, bud. Go. <laughs> no, I'm uh, 35 minutes. Of, uh, I know. <laughs> that was fun. Though. I wanted to, uh, to get Jonathan Cash on, obviously, as I said in the intro, driving for Saddle Stanley Racing and a big part of our karting operation with Premier Racing Chassis. But, Jonathan, a lot of people's see what you do at the go-kart track and and also the few races you've done with us at Saddle Stanley Racing. Some of our listeners may not, however, know that uh, you've been racing for a long time in a lot of different divisions. So take a couple minutes as you can and tell me and the uh, listeners here a little bit about your racing journey. Well, I started when I was four uh, racing go-karts. Some uh, Where at? Um, in Oxford, Oxford, uh, it was called Cornwall. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Cornwall. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started racing there. My actually, my uncle owned the track, so that's kind of how we got into it. Um, so I was four. I raced up and I raced go karts till I was about uh, about eighteen or nineteen years old. Um, then went doing some stock car stuff. Um, so where'd you run the stock cars at? Uh, South Boston and Orange County mostly. Mm-hmm. Uh, once we once we moved up to late model stock, we actually. You know, hit some different places, Southern National, Caraway, Martinsville, um, Ace, those type of places. Um, then, you know, decided that um, I got an opportunity from uh, Chip Lofton out of Strut Masters. I drove a race car for him for a year, and then we decided we were going to try to go bigger. Um, so we moved up and um, actually made a deal with, uh, back this time, it was JTG Wood Brothers was together, Tata Schechter. Um, so I'd done some bushy stuff for them. Um, the sponsorships just didn't work out. So I come back home, uh, went back to running late models and I kind of figured I wanted a, I want to do something in racing at that time. And I was really, I was really kind of upset that I didn't make it as a driver. So that's kind of why I came back home. Um, knowing what I know now, uh, I might would have stayed and tried to do something different. But, um, but, uh, came, like I said, came back home, decided that, I want to do something in racing. And um, at this time, PNP Speed Shop became available. Yeah, what, what, what year is what? This is in 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, so I spent about from 2000. Yeah, PNP Speed Shop, just people, you know, a lot of carding people listen to this. That's um, Jeffrey and Timmy Perry. It was. Mm-hmm. It was. And they were, they really helped my 
karting career. Mm-hmm. Um, How's that? I guess I'm, I'm backtracking here a little bit, but um, so my parents really, really didn't have a lot of money to raise. And everybody knows it takes money to raise. Sure. And so um, I went to work for them and they gave me an opportunity to drive for them while I worked for them. And it, it just enabled me to go to do bigger things. And uh, we became very successful with at the time with with Jeffrey working on the go karts and me driving. Um, he was getting to the point that he just you know didn't want to drive anymore, and so it worked out really good. And and really honestly, that's really what made me get noticed to be able to go on a stock car. Um, like I said, my, my parents couldn't buy one. Um, we actually had a guy who came to us and was like, "Hey, you know, I've got a car. Would you like to drive it a few races?" And and I'd have never had that if it not been for the success I had with Jeffrey. You know. So, um, but yeah, we, and like I said, we, we, we moved on and we ran the, done some Bushy stuff. We ran some Hooters stuff. And like I said, it just, the sponsorship at the time didn't work out for me to, to go bigger. Um, and, uh, like I said, it, it really disappointed me and, and I was kind of upset about it. So when I came back home, I was, I, you know, I just figured out what I'm gonna do in racing. So that's when PNP became available. Jeffrey called me and said, Hey, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm burnt out. You know, would you like to purchase it? And so that's what I did. And it was, you know, for a couple of years, it was very hard. Like it was, it was a struggle getting. And when it. you first went into P and P, just so people know, I mean, they not only were they racing, but that that was an, a very successful engine building business. How did you just go in and take over a business? I mean, how how and when did you get experience with building engines well when i when i worked for him you know before i done the stock car thing i learned a little then um and when jeffrey called me you know he said hey i, I will te- i will finish teaching you the rest of what to do and in the biggest the biggest obstacle was not really trying to figure out how to make horsepower was trying to get people to believe in you yeah yeah i mean it's mm-hmm. you know and, and i said now with new people trying to come in and they say hey i'm gonna go do this with jonathan to He's been in it now for 13 years mm-hmm. versus this guy of two years. So he, um, so Jeffrey, you know, he, he taught me and, and he still helped me for, for a year and a half, two years. He really just helped me. I mean, anything I needed, he'd call and come and do it. Um, so it just took a lot of, it took a lot of time to, to build that trust, you know, in, in the racers. And, uh, ultimately after four or five years, we won some big races, um, and, had other customers and that, that's really the biggest thing having other customers win big races because they say hey you know jonathan can do it for other people just mm-hmm. not himself mm-hmm. you know so um that's kind of where it really took off at well i want to get back and talk about the carding thing in a minute but also the last once last year a couple of times this year um you've had the opportunity to to hop in and drive a modified for uh, Senator Stanley and I, Saddle Stanley Racing, those cars are housed and maintained by Phil Stefanelli at PSR Products. So prior to you jumping into Modified a little bit last year, did you have any experience with those cars at all? I didn't, and that was the first time I'd ever been in one. Um, the day we went and tested, that's absolutely the first time we sat in anything like that. Um, um, the good thing about it, Phil always brings a good car to the track, so it really helps you to – you know, go fast right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, our first race last year was at Hickory, and I had never, I had never raced a modified, and I'd never been to Hickory, so mm-hmm. it was. Uh, and just so people know, we we went and tested at Orange County, which was a place that you have a lot of experience and laps, and that is 
invaluable, not only in any kind of racing, but especially when you're driving a car that you've never driven before. Having racetrack familiarity is important, but I guess Mother Nature got in the middle of us running the Orange County race last year, so we we went to Hickory, and uh, I still thought all things considered to, didn't get the result, but as far as qualifying in the racing, um, I mean, I thought that was a successful night. What did you think? I, I really do, and the like I said, I was, I was very disappointed that we didn't come out of there, and I know we would have finished somewhere between the fourth and the sixth mark. Yeah. Um, I was very disappointed in that, but because even in a modified, you know, you, you take the one tire, you have you make live pit stops. It's it's a lot more going on in that one race than just going running a Saturday night seventy five lap late mile stock race because it's, it's strategy. You, you know, in these cars, you burn your tires up very quick, mm-hmm. and so it was a lot to learn in ninety nine laps. And and so I I felt you know the way we ran, the way we qualified, and um, everything that, that it went well and. Um, Everybody helped me, you know, Phil helped, um, Neil helped. Everybody there just was a big supporter of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that really made me more comfortable. How did the um, – you've driven late models. You mentioned Bush East. Of course, we'll get to the go-karting stuff in a minute. But driving that modified, what did it compare to? I, honestly, it, it's it's like a big go-kart, really. And, and that may be some of the reason that, it, that I took off so quick. You, you do have a ton of power, but you got a ton of tire, too. Mm-hmm. And, and this car, you know, to me, um, it, when you're down in the racetrack getting grip, being able to put all that power down is when you're the fastest. And that's kind of like a go-kart, mm-hmm. you know, um, to where some stock cars you have to be kind of almost wrecking to go fast. So I think it really helped, and it was a big positive uh, for me. Now, we roll over into 2023. You've run a couple races for us. I know you ran Caraway, but probably the um, the highlight of the year so far when you're racing, and luckily that uh, I was fortunate or glad that I was able to attend, and so did Elliot, and he brought his kids up there, but uh, finished fourth at South Boston, um, a racetrack that you had some some laps on, and 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 um, but talk talk about the the emotion, the ups and downs, the roller coaster ride that you went on at South Boston that culminated in a top five finish for you that night. Yeah, I mean, I, that's one race I really wanted to be good in just because of we had a lot of people come watch us there. Um, I had, you know, when when you return home somewhere, you want to be good. Sure. You know, and, and, and even though I didn't have that much experience, I felt like that, hey, I should be good here. And, um, you know, we, we qualified good. Um, the redraw I've learned that I, I cannot redraw. I'm, I'm very terrible at that. So we have to get somebody else to do that from now on. But, um, you know, we, we led some laps. Um, that was a big goal to, to do that, you know, and then we kind of backed off to, to try to save tire and, um, end up getting in a little incident right there about halfway through the race, you know, just, just a wreck happened in front, can't slow up quick enough. And we got behind a little bit. Um, but to come back and run fourth and, you know, we were, Quite honestly, of the cars that was on the track at the end of the race, I felt like we really should have at least ran second. And um, I didn't quite get around Burt, but at the time I didn't have a front bumper. And, you know, when, you, when you're new in a series like that, you don't want to come over here and just run over people yeah, and, and yeah. be that guy. Mm-hmm. And, that, and so that's kind of where I was at. You know, maybe, maybe I was a little too nice. Maybe I wasn't. I, I, was, I was upset with a fourth-place finish. A lot of people have been jumping up and down, but I was upset because no, – I could it, tell when the race was over you felt like – Yeah. You know, because those – be honest, you don't – you don't have a full schedule of those races. You got a handful yeah. of those races, and I agree that uh, Phil Stefanelli and his guys do a good job. And so, 
Um, but, you know, when you've got two, three, four chances as opposed to 12 or 15 chances, it makes a difference. Yeah, it, it does. And I just felt like that was the, the one race for me to come back and win. You know, I, I felt like, hey, I could I could have won that race. And um, but, you know, it's that's the way it goes. And I, again, I learned a lot from that race. Um, so hopefully we'll get an opportunity to, to do that, you know, that track or uh, Orange County or something again and move forward. But, you know, we, we give 110% at every track. It's just when you roll in there and you know that track. It's a lot more pressure on the driver, is. too. It is. We, we, back in the day, Elliot and I both, when, when, you, when you went to Richmond or went to Martinsville or came back when the Bush Series days, when you come back to South Boston, it was just so many people there. I remember the first Orange County race that I won. You know, I don't know how many people in the stands, probably 7,500, but 5,000 of them were there for me holding up these orange blaze, orange 25 signs. And it's like, God almighty, you, you come around and, you know, you hold it, hold them up. Now, those races were 300 laps. You hold them up for 300 laps and you got to, you feel like the weight of everybody there not wanting to let people down. But I was really proud of uh, the way y'all ran it at, at, uh, at South Boston. And it is looking like, um, I guess, um, can't say 100%, but it is looking like the, with the way the schedule is evolving for us that, that you'll get a chance to do South Boston and maybe Orange County again coming up this fall. And um, what would it mean to you um, to, to win one of those races? I know, you know, you've won at everything else you've done in karting and racing. And I think the people that really know you and know your career know how talented and how many races you've won. But a lot of people may not fully understand um, how successful you've been in your racing career, but to if you were able to snag one of these smart races against you mentioned Burt Myers, but against the best of the best in the open wheel modified, to where would that stack up in your in your uh, racing accomplishments that you've done so far? It, it would definitely be one of the biggest, probably one of my biggest wins ever if I could do that. Um, just for the fact of you know who is in that field and and the fact of um, how difficult you know. It's a lot of difference in a touring series and a Saturday night series. You know, that touring series is a lot, lot tougher, mm -hmm. you know. And, and when you, you know, if you go out there and if I could win a race and say, hey, I outran Burt Myers, Bobby Labonte, Ryan Newman, people like that. I mean, that's that's an accomplishment mm -hmm. for me, you yeah. know. And these because these are guys that especially Ryan and Bobby are people that I looked up to, you know, at a point in time when they were. Well, I was going to ask you that question, you know. It, so Ryan and Bobby, Ryan Newman and Bobby Labonte are um, – teammates of yours now at Saddler Stanley Racing, how has it been getting to know them or, or, or being at the track with them a little bit and getting to know them a little bit better? Um, it's, it's been very good. Bobby's he's heck of a nice guy. I mean, yeah. he just, he's willing to help you with anything, you know, and, and I ask a lot of questions, you know, just because I, I don't know, they have way more experience than I do. And, and Ryan, I've only been to the track when he's drove, you know, mm -hmm. so, um, but he's, you know, just watching him drive is, you know, pretty unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and, um, I, I try to, when I go to these races and I don't race, I try to at least try to learn from them, you mm -hmm. know, because they've had so much experience that they could only make you better. Mm -hmm. um, but but it's been really good racing with them. Bill's walking back in there, so I'll get uh, give Bill, before we go back to the karting stuff, I'll let Senator Stanley throw you a, a question or two if you've got uh, about Sadler Stanley Racing and what he's um, learned or what he's, I, I did tell him, it looks like we'll, be able to give him an opportunity to do South Boston and Orange County again uh, coming up this fall. He was 
this close to South Boston last time, got a top five. Oh, yeah, so. he was amazing. Actually, the first race you ever ran for us, um, it, you were the most exciting driver to watch. I mean, the way you kind of plowed through the field without touching him. I mean, you ran a clean race. That was the race where you and I, Hermie, uh, were yelling at the uh, race control tower. Where was that? Carol Hickory. Hickory. <laughs> and uh, No, you were doing most of the yelling. <laughs> well, you were like I'm, that dad outside the fancy <laughs> ball game. Yeah, it? It, may, it may have made a little bit of an ass of myself, but it was for the team. Uh, and, uh, and you got kind of you got kind of wrecked up there at the end, didn't you? Just a little bit, yeah. Yeah, what happened there? But five to go. Yeah, five, five laps. The guy to go forgot York. there was a corner there. Our, yeah. our main driver, Jonathan Brown, uh, allegedly jumped the restart. Yeah. You are our final hope. And then, uh, wasn't it, was it Miesmer or? Uh, yeah, Miesmer. Yeah. He, he loves hitting our cars. I don't know what it is about that, but <laughs> he'll hit everything except the, the lady in the parking lot. You know, uh, Hermie asked me to ever do something to this guy. I was like, Hermie, I ain't never met the guy in my life. He, I don't know. He, he seems <laughs> well, to he find you Well, he knew you were because he, he did. made a comment to you about maybe going back to go-karts or he something. He did. He did, yeah. That he must have some history in karting because I went to a meeting in Winston-Salem a couple of weeks ago to some people involved in the smart tour, and he had a PRC shirt on. Maybe he don't like you then. Maybe he don't like me. <laughs> maybe that's, maybe that's well, what it was. Well, he found out by running for the state senate and the nomination that, that he's not the most loved person in this area. That's, right. uh, that's what happens. The other the other race we love watching. My son loves watching when you're in the car. No, but um, but one like at Caraway, the last race you ran, mm -hmm. uh, it seemed like you were one of the fastest cars. Yeah, you drew the pole uh, on redraw. Uh, you started out fast and then you kind of drifted to the back. Um, what was going on there? Well, it's. One thing I've learned, and this, this has been, I was telling Hermie, it's a lot of difference in this car, you know, from any other type of car. For me, what I have learned, to go fast and qualifying or early on, you have to be really, really free. Car's got to turn and rotate. Well, when, when the car turns and rotates that good on these modifieds, after about 15 laps, you have no rear grip. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of what happened. You know, we were really good. I, I mean, honestly, I thought I could have took the lead at any time, and then – once we got to running, we just kept losing rear grip, rear, rear grip, you know. And the guys all day long, I kind of told them I need to need to turn better, and they give me that. And then it rained; we didn't get to qualify or, you know, have a long practice or anything. So we, we kind of took a shot at it, really. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, but yeah, and, and we got in trouble. We didn't. We probably should have pitted and come in and fixed the car to where at that time we thought, hey, we can ride around seventh or eighth, fix the car, and then drive back to the front. But you know, I don't know if, if we really glazed the tires over or what happened, but from about a lap 30 to lap 70 until we got the caution, we were terrible. And that's another thing that brings up on any level of racing. We've talked about late models. We've talked about modifies. We'll talk about karting in a minute. But the fine line between winning and being embarrassing is snap of a yeah. finger. Yeah. You, you a, a tenth. Turns on the head of a pin. Off, you're, you're out. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's how competitive racing is in general, certainly in the Smart Series too, because so many good cars. I mean, you got on the Smart Series now, you get 25, 26 cars lining up. And Jonathan, you chime in here too. But 15 of those cars, any one of those 15 could probably win any any race on any given night. I, I think so. And, and, and I think this is just me looking at what I used to see. I think Smart Toy used to have – 10 to 15 cars and you had three that could win mm -hmm. so you could you know it wasn't as big of a deal to take a tire go to the rear and come back to where now 
when you've got 20, you know, I think it's been 25 and 29 cars a couple of times I've ran. Right. Good car count. Yeah. I mean, in 15 of them are new cars mm-hmm. with good drivers and, you know, the budget to race on is just, you can't kind of manipulate going to the back, coming to the front. You have to play a little more strategy and stuff, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's a lot of good people in it now. Yeah. The, um, and a lot of big races coming up. We've got a, our last kind of little break right now that we've had. We go back to a speedway. Yeah, it's the Bowman Gray break. I mean, yeah, we Bowman break, Gray so break. We Bowman go back. Gray can run their series, but the smart series goes back in, um, in August, late August to, um, to make up uh, a rain date. And then we get in really to the meat of the uh, close of the season. So uh, outside of the Sadler Stanley cars, Bobby and, and Ryan and you, um, well, wait, 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 wait. What can we do as a team to make your car better so that when you get in it, I mean, I know what you're, you know, in the tracks that you're used to, it's obvious. Right. We've been putting you on tracks that you've never run before. It looks right. And you're learning as you go. And if you don't have a lot of practice or, you know, you're rained out for qualifying or whatever it is, um, that minimizes your ability to understand the track. What can we do to kind of shore up that difference or make it better for you? Because every time you get in a car, and my son Chandler loves Bobby Labonte. But if, if you had to say, all right, who's your next favorite Sadler Stanley racing driver? He wouldn't say Ryan Newman. He'd say you. He loves watching you. What can we make you – how can we make your performance better to make my son happier? That's the whole thing. <laughs> well, you know, my, myself and Phil have discussed, you know, going to test more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I, I think now, again, like I said, it's, so many teams have caught up. You know, and I told Phil, I said, you know, when you want to test, you call me. We'll go test. I don't, I don't, I mean, I love to test. I love to get better. And, and obviously, you know, if we go test, you know, obviously when we go to South Boston, Orange County, I got the experience. So, you know, whatever ends up on our schedule to wherever to go, I'd like to go test. If we go test, I definitely think because the testing, I think what the first 20, 30 minutes of practice is me learning the track, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we get to go test, we, we, we take that out. So the 20, 30 minutes, I can really tell, feel, hey, we need to do this, this, and this, you know, to make the car better, you know. And, and I kind of just tell him what the car is doing, and, you know, it's on field. He says, okay, well, we're going to do this to do this and to make it better, you know. Um, but, but, yeah, so I, I think that's the biggest thing is just maybe testing and get more time in the, yeah, in the seat. Get more seat time, yep. So were you there? I mean, what, do you have an opinion on – Caraway, the last race we won, the second race in a row that Burt Myers won, but his left rear was glowing. Did you see that? I didn't see it because I was in the race, but uh, another competitor actually brought it up to me as I'm walking down pit road. You know, and, and what does that mean? I mean, the left rear is uh, the brakes are glowing. I mean, what does that mean? Well, what it means is it, it causes a lot of speculation amongst competitors because in typically in racing terms what that means is is traction control we just tell it like it is i mean you don't come off a corner and how traction traction control typically works is those systems modulate the brakes on the rear of the cars to electronically keep the rear tires from spinning and so as a driver if your traction if you have traction control and let's just say this they didn't find any traction control on burt's car um, but that doesn't mean it wasn't there. It, I don't know if it was there or not. They were looking for one kind of traction control, maybe not another. But they, what I'm trying to explain more is than the other. What I'm trying to explain is, as a driver, and Jonathan's done this before. We've all done it. The years I've raced too. 
on a normal circumstances, if you don't have traction control, when you get to the center of the corner and you start to gas the car up to go off the corner where all the speed is made on short tracks, which is the center of the corner, say, to the start-finish line, that's where you've got to have that forward drive. If you don't have traction control, you have to modulate the spin of the rear tires or keep the rear tires from spinning by your right foot. You have to feather the throttle down as much as you can to put as much power down as possible without spinning the rear tires. Now, if you have traction control and it's working properly, it takes that out of the driver's hands. The driver just stomps the gas to the floor and the, the system. In the turn. In the turn, he's stomping the gas. Coming out of the turn. Yes. Yeah, but yeah. early. I mean, you've you got to be on the gas early. earlier, but you go straight to the floor and that traction control is designed to, when it senses a wheel spinning, it applies brake pressure to the, to the, to the, to the, whatever tire is spinning and prevents that. So the driver doesn't have to worry about wheel spin. The driver, you get to the center of the corner and Jonathan can tell you what a wonderful feeling that is as a driver to stomp the gas and just go. And it, you know, it will apply brake, modulate brake to the rear of the car to keep, and how that, why that's important is when you start spinning that rear tire, either one of those rear tires, you start wearing that tire out. You, that, tar, that tire gets more heat in it. And what causes it to glow? The glow? Yeah. Is brakes. The, brakes. the brake pressure. The, the brake, brake, the brake pressure. Speed of brake up. The, the brake caliber. The brake caliber. Yep. You were close. Yeah. So the, <laughs> that so was that, a ball. <laughs> those, those systems, those systems, I mean, if you, and it's a huge, not only a, a, a competitive advantage because it keeps the tire from spinning. So at the end of a 99 lap race, especially the last 15, 20 laps, you haven't spun your tires, your rear tires, and everybody else has because they don't have that safety Action net. control. Hmm. So, um, with that, t- t- with those those glowing calipers and the, that brake rotor, what that what that is telling everybody is he had a whole lot of brake on the rear tires of that car coming off the corner, which typically coming off a corner you're all gas, no brake, mm. and okay. so that is really something that for the integrity of the series and that's illegal. It's illegal. It's illegal. And by the way. Um, the one car was caught last year. They never called it a traction control system. They called it a data acquisition device. He was caught on that last year and suspended full race, I believe. And lost, didn't have a chance at the championship Championship for smart because of that. Okay. Now, I remember last year at North Wilkesboro, which the team won, by the way, under Ryan Newman. Mm-hmm. Now, I wouldn't know Burt Myers if he was sitting here. I never met him. But I remember hearing that name, and he was very, very fast. Then in North Wilkes, oh, he's a good, he's great, great, great driver, race. great competitor, good guy. But somewhere up north, New Jersey, no, no, he no, lives no, in no. he's North Carolina, Carolina. Okay, I thought it was. Up but but I'm gonna tell you that um, for a driver of his caliber, with you know the fan bases he's got, for them to have that conversation to be going on around the Smart Series, it needs it. For the sake of the series and the credibility of the series and the direction of the series, it's got to be, if it's going on, which by you look at what people saw in pictures and otherwise, it's something that really has to be addressed in a major way because if people keep spending all this time, effort, and money to go to these races, uh, 
I think most people, although they don't like it, racers, they don't like not winning. They can accept it better if they feel like the level, the playing field level. is level. And when they feel like they're running against something like that, which is a, a it's not like somebody cheated up a motor and has got 15 more horsepower or 10 more foot pounds of torque. I mean, if your car is good enough on a long race, you can overcome that. But on something like that, and something that's blatant like that, that everybody in the stands can see and everybody in the pits can see, that is a, that is, it'll be interesting to see how the officials of the Smart Series um, deal with that in the. Now, would that be Chris Williams? That'd be Chris Williams. Yeah. And I'm told from Chris Williams, and, and I, and for disclosure, full disclosure, I represent the tour as their lawyer, try to help them through all the problems. But he sent all him. He sent himself and and all the officials that he could down to NASCAR to be educated on the types of traction control that are different from the traditional ones that they might have seen before or been able to catch, like you know through the brake line. and And they went and inspected the car through the traditional methods. This may be more like a Bluetooth kind of technologically advanced type of traction control, if that's what was used. And they couldn't prove it. Everybody knew it, but they couldn't prove it. And, you know, in the law, as a lawyer, it's always what we say is it's not what you know. It's what you can prove that matters in court. And so that's probably the position. So they're trying to make themselves better. But it does uh, bring a question and, and a cloud upon the series when now he, the guy that was suspended for one race is maybe doing it again but didn't get caught. And at the end of the race, our guy, Phil Stefanelli, who builds our cars, runs our cars, manages our cars, he built Burt's number one car that was there. And, and by the way, he was the one that went to the smart officials and said, and search him, said, you need to but, take a look at what's going on. But here. Bert Myers, I don't know, uh, Jonathan, if you heard this afterwards, but the interview that he did with Flow Racing afterwards, he said, I want to thank Phil. Phil and I are the only ones that know for the magic ball joint that he created, that he did the magic ball joint. And then, what, two days later, we're seeing pictures about, you know, with a glowing uh, left rear. I mean, that became a question, too. I mean, do you have anything to say about that, Mr. Yes. Raceco? I don't. Okay. okay. I don't either, but that's a question. I mean, what you want is the integrity of the sport. If you're going to grow the sport, it's got to give everybody an equal chance at winning, especially, as you say, Jonathan, you got 15, 16, 17 cars that have a chance to win. Uh, when you're being creative, I understand how creativity built NASCAR. I understand. I've heard all the stories. I love them, too. But ultimately, especially in these in these series that aren't cup, I think we need to be as diligent as we possibly can to make sure that you, Jonathan Cash, have a chance of winning in the same kind of car with same, you know, maybe not the same setup, but the same kind of car without any tricks or magic uh, ball joints that will give you an opportunity to win or at least race fairly. So that, like you said earlier, man, if I lost, I knew I lost fair. And if you don't do that, then this we're going to be a Mickey a, Mouse This is a series. critical time for the series, in, in my opinion. Yeah, why do you say that? Well, I mean, because you've got – I went to a meeting a couple of weeks ago in Winston-Salem with a group of owners and some drivers in the series that are concerned about how the series is being managed and operated. Mm. So if you – So what – did they come up with some solutions? They – they're – and I don't know if, if how far they've gone along with it or whatever, but what they, what they proposed at the meeting was – and they actually elected a group of their peers, three people, to represent them, represent the, the racers to management of the Smart Tour, to go to management of the Smart Tour and tell them their concerns. 
And I don't know if they've had further meetings or if they have meetings planned. But instead of 28 teams raising hell with management, they decided, okay, and that's what they did at that meeting. They actually, you wrote down, everybody had an opportunity to write down who they would like to represent the racers in meetings with the sanctioning body. And they took the person with the most votes, person with the second votes, person with the third votes, and they were planning to uh, try to go to meet with or um, talk to management, Chris Williams and his team with the smart tour to say, okay, we, these are some issues that we think are happening. These are some concern, some concerns we have being competitors in this series. And we'd like to get these things addressed and to get them addressed. We'd like to nominate these three people to represent our interest. They've unionized <laughs> close, but I think that's a good idea. Now, Chris has got a lot on his plate and from last year and the Burt uh, issue. And, and when you were yelling at him at uh, Hickory, um, he's installed. Now you got David Hoots, NASCAR's race control guy for years at some races, some races. He, actually built a tech center, at least a measurement device. I, I think Phil Stefanelli was instrumental in that. And I'm going to be devil's advocate as you're saying this. Yeah. But those devices are only as only good if you give the people, the tech people, the full authority to enforce what they find with these tech tools. Hmm. Okay. And then uh, he, he basically pulled out as race director as much as he can. And uh, and created a rule book. We now have our own rule book. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he has to enforce things. Yeah. So, I mean, we're moving in the right direction, but this is the time where you should or get off the pot. I mean, you've got to be, you know, if you're going to take this race series to the next level, it, and you respect it, it, it like it the car so store, you've got to do something. It has so much potential. It does. But, as I said, people, Sadler Stanley Racing doesn't want any unfair advantage but we don't want to be at any disadvantage either when we go to the racetrack. Well, we carry the primary sponsor for the race series as well. Right. And we're running probably three of the best race car drivers you could ever put out there in the series that will bring them, put butts in the seats, bring them uh, a reputation of something that people want to go to or watch on Flow, Flow yep. Racing TV. And so you better have a good product and better well, be ready. And, and, I, and I told you this, so I'm not saying anything that I hadn't said to you. We all that are involved with the smart series want the smart series to be thought of and presented along the same lines of the, like the cars tour right. or NASCAR, you know, wheeling modified tour and all that. And to do that, you have to, you have to have an iron fist when it comes to t the integrity of the sport. Look, you when mean you, call the strikes that are strikes. When you go to a NASCAR race. <laughs> Don't do a 50-50 if it looked good. It's no 50-50 calls. <laughs> I ain't got to get out of here kind of call, right? I was, I was, I was at the NASCAR track for 25-plus years, okay? Uh -huh. They don't do everything right. But when we load up Sadler Stanley Racing and go to a Wheeling Tour race, mm -hmm. whether it be Richmond or Martinsville or when we go to North Wilkesboro, one thing I do not worry about is whether or not somebody is cheating. You didn't say Langley. I thought we were going to Langley. We're not going to Langley now because what? you missed all that while you were in the pisser. <laughs> if you mean outside talking umpire talk to Shep, yeah. that's a pisser. Well, yes, what we did was the smart tour rescheduled 
the ace race for the Friday night prior to Langley. Okay. So instead of going to Langley, we are now going to put a third car in at South Boston and Orange County for oh, cool. Jonathan Cash. Oh, that's great. Sweet. And you were on that email. I voted yes. Okay. <laughs> so um, who's running this joint? That. It was a 50-50 call. No, but what I'm saying is, you know, <laughs> Since when you, you're when, such a good driver, when you let go to the NASCAR track, you know the competition <laughs> is tough. And, but sweet. It's going to be fast. NASCAR is not going to call down to the tech people and say, hey, Give the so and so car a nod. Let him let if they're a little bit out of whack, let them go. And so for this series to take that next step, the competitors just have to understand and have to feel confident that when they go to the racetrack, if they get beat, they're getting beat by a better car with a better setup, right. with a better driver and better strategy on that particular night. Not because Somebody in the tower told them they could get back. Sounds like legal counsel may need to make a uh, uh, suggestion. <laughs> well, I have conversations on a daily basis with Chris. I know he's got a lot on his plate. He's trying the best he can. I mean, he's dealing with a lot of personalities, racetracks, and trying to grow the series. And now the new competition, which is the Cars Tour. Um, I think he's doing the best he can. But, you know, I understand. I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not afraid to tell him when he's wrong or yell at him. Uh, certainly we proved that last year. Um, but I want the series to succeed because I think it's so important for short tracks, for guys like you, Jonathan, uh, for those rural areas that have the short tracks in them. Putting butts in the seats helps the economy, gets people thinking about Franklin County Speedway or, or South Boston Speedway, which I want to buy. Um, you know, those are the things that really matter because that's what built that area. We should maintain and retain them and also celebrate them and make sure that if racing is going to make a great comeback, I think you have to do it at the grassroots level first. So, and I bet you do it at the cart level, right? What about them carts? Yeah. I want to spend the last few minutes of this podcast here, uh, talking about carting. Um, you know, we got you in the smart tour and do all that, but our connection is with premier racing chassis as well. And you've been around carting a long time as we just talked about. And uh, I guess maybe five or six years ago. So how long have you been, how long have you been together on premier now? I'm going to say, I think it's been six years now. Okay. I believe. Um, now just to give everybody some, some background, premier racing chassis is a, a joint venture I did with uh, somebody who I love and respect dearly. And that's Robin Bradshaw. Robin, when I was growing up in karting, worked at competition karting in Winston-Salem, was kind of the backbone of that organization from as far as building engines to building carts. And all of my engines that my brother and I got and the laser carts uh, that we raced were all of, of Robin's stuff. And so later in life, probably around 2014, 2013, 2014, Robin and I, who remained longtime friends, and Robin actually currently – his full-time job is he works in the engine shop at ECR Engines, building oh. engines for Richard Childress. But we decided in 2013, 2014 that we wanted to get get back into carting and try to find a way to give back and, and build a product and build a brand that we felt like could enable us to help the next generation of carters. And so uh, ultimately sometime during that journey, we partnered up uh, with you. So my first question to you is, um, is Robin Bradshaw. You know, you get a chance to talk to him, work with him. You do now for the last couple of years, you've done the majority or 95% of the on-track testing that we've done driving-wise. What has it been like to, 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 to work with? And that 
the smart modified tour people and the general people that listen to this podcast are not going to know Robin as much, but people in carting that listen to this podcast will know uh, who Robin is. So how has it been for you? What what has it been like uh, to, to work with and test with Robin, especially the last couple of years when you've taken more of a, a more of a leadership role in testing with Robin, developing the premier brand? Well, Robin's probably, and I didn't know Robin a lot um, back in my early carding days, but since we've done this here, Robin's probably one of the smartest people I know. And, and I didn't really realize how smart Robin really was, you know, until um, we started this testing. And because, you know, I'm a, I'm a type of guy that if I try something, I try because I think it might work. Robin's figured out it's already going to work before he tries it. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, he understands, you know, yeah. and, and he's taught me a lot too. And, you know, on the engine side of it, how to actually test something. Just because you do something one time and make it better, it doesn't necessarily mean it's better. You need to ABA it, as he calls it. Right. You know, and, and so he it's taught me a lot. But working with him, just learning why he does things and how he does things, is it like I said, it, it's taught me a lot, you know, and, and I've been in a long time, you know. But um, one thing about Robin, I don't think it – just the other day I had a conversation and kind of like you all had with the Smart Tool. We were talking to WKA and we were talking about um, – how to make things better. WKA is World Carding Association. Yes. And um, one of the names that got brought up to help to help try to make it better in the engine side of it was Robin Bradshaw. Yep. You know, and Robin, you know, he still builds our limiteds, mm-hmm. um, but he hadn't really been in the engine department a long time as far as carding. Um, so he's, you know, he just has that reputation, that name of mm-hmm. that people still go back to him, even though he's been kind of out of that part of it you know, the engine side for so many years. But, you know, as far as the go-karts, he's he's made a tremendous go-kart. I think, um, if I remember correctly, this maybe this cart you've had since 14 or 15. Yeah, same cart. Same cart. And it hadn't anything changed. And, and still in all those years, it's still one of the best carts on the market, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, I like to say it's the best cart on the market. Um, but, you know, it's we have an opportunity to win each and every weekend when right. we go somewhere. We uh, – you're talking about testing and I just can't get kind of tickled for people because a lot of people, not a lot, some people in the carding business, to your point, they'll show up one night and just decide they want to test something. So they'll show up at a race with something a little bit different. And if they haven't hit the tires right that night, they think they've got the next, you know, the next best thing, which Robin does not allow that to happen. When we built the first premiere, premiered the V1, we built seven prototypes and tested it before we landed on what was the V1. And then the V2 had, I think, four prototypes before we landed on the V2. And you yourself, as we've started to move towards trying to develop a V3, you've tested probably four or five prototypes. You correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's four or five. Um, as we try to build something to outrun our V2, which that is the only thing that is all Robin's wheelhouse. All I tell Robin is, as the financial backer of Premier Racing Chassis, I just tell Robin, we can't sell something or offer something to the public until we are 100% sure that it's better than what we currently have because I've seen I know you have too a lot of people in the carding industry in the in the rush to come out with something new they rush it 
they get it out there. Then the next year, 18 months, they realize that that's not any better or might not be as good as what we had before. Then they're going back to what they had before. So all I've told Robin is our V3, when we put it to the market, because people and a lot of people, go-kart, I mean, go-kart costs 4500 bucks and they're turnkey out the door. That's a lot of money. Right. We can't do that, sell that to a family, especially for a kid, and it not we until we're sure that it's going to be the best that we can provide. So how far along do you think Robin is cart-wise and body-wise to being able to uh, put the next product on the track? Um, I, I mean, my, my opinion, I think that the body's probably come in before the cart would. Yeah. I, I would I would think now you've done some testing on the, some new body pieces that Robin has designed what is your what can you say about what you learned from that so far based on what we are currently running um, I'm I was very surprised that moving this and moving that what it actually does on a go-kart nobody think about aero on a go-kart but we do have an aero push on a go-kart people mm-hmm. don't believe that but we do um, but Robin has made some adjustments to the body to to affect that and and we've done some single cart testing and two cart testing um and i I, let's be honest i just did not believe what one little piece of something would do and i didn't want to you know without saying too much i I think you know it's it's very smart to think of that you know and so i think that's coming before the cart i mean currently we've tested some carts that's some prototypes and I think they've been as good, but it hadn't been any better, mm-hmm. I think. And, and that's the, you know, and I get asked all the time, hey, you're the guy you're testing. I don't want to buy a car because I don't want to buy two of them in, in, within six months. Mm-hmm. You know, so I tell people, I, I personally don't think we're not by the end of 2023 anyway. Right. I don't think we'll, we'll have yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. I, I think probably hope we have a, a body. A final version of a body. There's another. We, in fact, I talked to Robin yesterday about some testing dates. Hopefully by this fall or by the end of this year, we'll. Because not only do we have to get the body finish the testing on it, but we've also, once we land on that body, we've got to produce it. Because I don't want, and this is backwards to a lot of people, but it's just how I think. I want, even though you're my number one distributor and you do all the testing. You might think it's fair, but I don't think it's fair for you to show up with a new body and race against some of my other customers that don't have it yet. Right. In a right. in a race condition. That's just not a good business practice in my view. So I've told Robin, I say once we land on the body, then we've got to have produce. time for our people to produce seventy five or hundred of these bodies so that at least they get the option. If they don't want to spend the money, then that's okay. But it, it's a hard sw- it would be a hard pill to swallow or would be difficult for me as a business person to try to say, okay, you're going to show up at a big race. Let's just call it a Max Daddy or a Big O race. And Jonathan Cash is going to have the new latest and greatest body. But you're driving from, you know, Kentucky and you're going to spend $10,000 coming to this race and you don't have it. And, and can't get it. So you can't get it. So that's just a that's just a personal thing of mine but but um you know you you know karting better than i do how rare is it for us and you're on it now premier cart to have a cart that's let's call it eight years old and to still be as because we've been through multiple product 
changes from from competitors of ours how rare is it to have a cart to be that successful for that long i've been in carting a long time and you know as far as me being able to keep up i've never seen it you know in my lifetime you know and what, uh, why do you think it is i think number one it was just a good it was a good product um it still is a good product but i do think these these uh manufacturers probably come out too quick with things mm-hmm. you know to to try to sell more um because i think some of them feel like, hey, I've, I've done, we've built 500, just throwing a number out. We've built 500. Well, I'm not going to sell 100 next year because they need something new. So mm-hmm. they build them just to be new. Yeah. You know, and, and I've even had people tell me they're going to change the name and change one little bar on a cart to put a new cart at it so they can create a used cart market. Right. More, get more used oh, wow. carts back, you know. And we've been on the same brand. But I think a part of it has, to, a lot of it has to do with the fact that going back to what you said about Robin's testing, he spent so much time verifying and pulling all that together. And we've had a hard time, and you know this as good as anybody, had a hard time building something that's faster than what we got. Right, and and, and you just can't, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you wouldn't allow this and wouldn't want this, but let's just say we go, we got a new cart out, and we go race wherever, and me and my driver think the old cart's better. Well, we're going to want to run the old cart, but as a manufacturer, you're not going to want to do it. Right. So, so Robin is not going to put us in that predicament. That's right. You know, he's, he's going to make That's sure. That's been the that thing. And I've told him that once we, once we decide on the next piece, you know, the old jig is gone. Right. We, yeah. We're not, we're not going back and visiting um, that again. So talk a little bit about, then we'll close this show out. Um, a lot of talk about carting in general. We're, we're in the overall scheme of things. What is the status of carting? What is the health of carting? And if you were to be put in charge, I know you're well-respected in the industry, not only in the Mid-Atlantic region, but nationwide. If you were called and asked to give your input on how to make carting better or to strengthen it or to uh, make sure it's around in 10, 15 years, what do you do? Well, you know, I think I think one thing without blaming anybody or doing anything is this is what I tell people all the time. Go karting is for the people that can't afford to race cars. And we've we've sort of driven it, especially with the tire stuff, not not necessarily saying one tire or another tire, but we've driven it to where it costs now, as much. You got to understand these some of these people listening don't understand what you mean. So when you say tire stuff, what do you mean? So on, 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 go, on race cars, you have shocks and springs and, you know, sway bars and stuff like that. Go karting, you have. You have tires. You get your chassis dialed in, and relatively, it's not a lot of chassis work going on these days as far as moving cross and camera. Everything's kind of static. So everything we do, we, we do with tires. You know, we, we may have a tire, that's, and, and it's really crazy because I have race car people. They just don't understand it. So, you know, we run tires one week old, two week old. They have heat cycles, and they, they have internal prep. And it's really kind of gotten out of hand. It's what makes um, – so, so it's making the average racer or the average family not be able to afford to do it. Mm-hmm. So the first thing we got to do to fix it is we got to get that cost down, you know. And I, I think, and I can't say I have the solution because I don't have a solution for it, you know. But, but a bunch of a bunch of bright minds together can figure it out, you know. But we we've got to we've got to get in the overall local. scheme of things with a hundred percent covering everything. What percentage of cost to the carting family is tires? I would personally say it's at least sixty percent. Wow! And, and when I have new just people, just for the tires, just wow. for the tires, 
And and when I have new people, you, know, you, home, you you would be really sad. What's that run a week? <laughs> I mean, it depends on what you want to do. Well, <laughs> but, I mean, but I mean, the average. That's families, what I'm getting ready to say. Y'all y'all run tires in every week, whether we race or not. But yes, my guys get new, brand new tires out of the box, put them on rim, go back on a sanding machine, and start cutting rubber off of it. What? Yeah, <laughs> it, it's really crazy because we have tires. One manufacturer tire, we 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 have to have brand new tires, all the way to tires that's two months old. Hmm. And in between that, you have different internal prep in them. So you have 40 or 50 sets of tires in there that you may need that weekend. 40 or 50? Oh, yeah. And and, and that's where, it, you know. And that's if you don't get a, a rain shower. It doesn't rain, correct. So <laughs> a rain shower, you got to regroup. Yes. Then ruin a bunch of tires. But, you know. Not, so what's the set run for? Uh, let's Brand new. You know, we call them dog leg sets, which is three, because the left front, you normally don't do a lot, but they're about 180. You know, right. but but then you have to cut them, you have to prep them, and if you don't do it yourself, you pay somebody to do that. Cut them. And, and so, prep. Jonathan, your business, so that's P and P Speed Shop. You build engines. How many engine customers do you have roughly? Or how many engines a week do you build? We, we try to get out ten or twelve a week. Um, and wow. the business season is eighteen to twenty. Mm-hmm. You know? Is he paying us to race? Boy, <laughs> <laughs> we'll making bank. And um, <laughs> now you also sell. Tire prep. We do. We so he sells prep that the people prep the tires with. So what's a gallon of prep retail? It's eighty dollars a gallon. So um, you know, and it just depends on how much you where you're I'm going. I'm in the wrong damn business. Trust me, you're All not. All right. So, so I got a question. So I got a question before we close this out. I'm going to ask you a hypothetical. I'm going to ask you to assume, for the purposes of my question, I usually say this in the court of law, that I've got a 12 year old son. I'm a state senator, hypothetically. He's playing baseball, and he's got this damn umpire that keeps calling a strike zone yep. outside his normal strike zone to the point where he's ready one to that he has up. to One that you have to sell. Right. He's, he, he is selling strikes against my boy to the point where he is giving up baseball, and he wants to go karting. Without investing the 4500 the 180 attire plus the 80 prep, How? what does a father and mother you got gas you got oil oh, you got transportation my you got entry fees hotel oh okay so what what does a family do to see if their son or daughter are interested in karting since they've been driven out of baseball by an umpire um where do you start without you know going whole hog on the forty five hundred dollars in the tires and everything right. else and the gas and the hotel and all that how do you how do you see if that's what they want to do without investing all that money well, it's, you can do test sessions. I mean, like, you know, we have carts there that we can go test people on a Sunday afternoon after the races are over to see if they like it. Just just like my daughter, she's tested twice. She has no interest in it at all. How old that, is she? Johnny's in the horse business now. Yeah, so. Uh, oh, had, don't yeah, ever. She rode a go-kart no. and didn't like it. Yeah. Or so, not yet. Uh, so Johnny dude. had to go buy a couple of ho- some horses. You she can't says, hide money, can you? You can't hide money on these carts. She says horses don't catch on fire and go-karts and race cars do. So, uh, uh, yeah, but. Know. yeah, but <laughs> You know what I mean? But I've owned uh, a couple, uh, and let me tell you. Yeah, um, yeah. Number one, every lady in your family will treat them better than they treat you, the one that's writing the check. Okay. Number two, uh, you never get the full satisfaction out of, you know, that you would, that you think you would from them riding it. And three, you better do everything you can to buy whatever they need. And it's all expensive. And if they ride around in a ring at dressage or over fences, then you go there for 11 hours for two minutes yeah. of watching yeah. them run. Yeah. yeah. I, I, when I go, I don't understand it, but I, I'm supporting yeah. it. You know? Yeah. But. And stay away from the guys that like come up and go, how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> we have done that a lot. They in, are not race car drivers. We have done that a lot in the past where a family would reach out and say, 
hey, we don't know how much or so like if we race somewhere on a Saturday night, we would stay over on a Sunday, four or five hundred bucks, rent the track, put tires on the cart, you know, put cones up out there, start out slow, go on it, take them around on the golf cart first, show them and just let them go. And it may not find out in the first day, but after a day or two, I mean, you'll know pretty much if they if they don't want to come in, they like it. If they, if they, you know, if they don't want to, to do it, you'll, you'll learn pretty quick. And if a family wanted to do that, do they contact you? They can. Okay. And where would they get in touch with you? Um, we have our, we have a Facebook PNP speed shop and also we have a website PNP speed shop.com. Okay. Um, but yeah, they can get in touch with us to, to arrange that. And, um, we, we, we actually do that a lot. Um, you know, and take people. You, you might look, do it one more time. Yeah, <laughs> Carding is very competitive, but you know, the last couple of years, y'all have been fortunate at PNP, and I like to say, I would like to think in small part due to the partnership with Premier. But what in in your most successful years as a driver and as a owner, because you run Premier Carts, but you own your own team and all your stuff, how much money can you win, or have you won in your best years as a driver and an owner? racing go-karts um i think the best year i had i think we won like 115,000. <laughs> so now um i've been very fortunate um what was your net <laughs> gross <right>? net <laughs> so this year you know we're, we're doing we're like you'll be over a million this year Fifty thousand yeah. as of july 1st so wow um, now, are you racing against just adults? Do they have a, they have an age class, or are you racing against nine year olds? So, so we have so we have uh, <laughs> they have young, this age classes. So no, I'm not running against. Well, I'm not driving them. I'm too old to drive. Go cars is way more demanding than a car. Just okay. saying. Okay. So All I got right. a young. I'm, I'm, I got a young guy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. So well, uh, you might fit in. Like he's got, you know, we he has a driver that drives for him in the adult classes. He's also got a family that would pay him. I don't know how he structures it, but basically pay him a fee to maintain a cart, bring the cart to the track, build the motor, provide all the, the gas, the oil, the tires, pay the pay, like a flat fee. Jonathan Stefanelli. Yeah. Same okay. thing. Yeah. Kind of same thing. All right. So you get paid per diem or whatever that might be per mm-hmm. race. Okay. And so, but see, I've been watching like a map TV and some of the race channels. Um, Carding, adult carding, or at least teenage to adult carding, is huge in like Europe, England. It is. They I do mean, a lot of sprint stuff. Yeah, yep. I mean, it's amazing, and they do you know road courses and all that stuff. It's pretty fun to watch. My son and so I, I are glued guess you to it. Want to do that too? No, no. We're, we're, uh, I'm just kind of figuring out because my son loves we racing. Focus on, just so you know, we sim, focus on dirt oval. Do you? Oh, okay. Racing, yeah. All right. So, uh, so I guess what I'm saying is, is so carding seems to be more intense at a level which is different from, say, Bandoleros mm-hmm. or Legends, right? Which are the small, right? right. And, and those seem to be young children. Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Brexton uh, Bush is driving, I, I think, um, uh, Bandoleros. Thanks, Brent. And I think it's Bandoleros now. Yeah. Bandoleros. Mm-hmm. Um, so is it fair to say that those Bandoleros and the wing stuff, the smaller stuff, is for kids, but carts more for more mature drivers? It's kind of taking a turn. It used to be before those came along, everybody started in go-karting and worked their way up. Um, but the go-karting, it is for the kids. But kind of where I see it, the legend cars and the and the bandolier, you see a lot of the, like you said, the the Bushes and the Harvicks and people like that in those things. The go-karting is kind of for the the ones that can't afford to do that. 
I should say. Because those are more expensive cars. They are. They're more expensive. To, to buy, maintain, and to run. It is. And, you know, and, and the go-karting really sounds, you know, and I tell people all the time, I have, I have you know, dads to come to me and say, hey, I can run a race car for run a, run, what I run a go-kart. No, you can't. Right. You really right. can't. So, but um, go-karting is for the people that can't afford to do that. And that's that's how I always like to say it. And, and it's not downing anybody or degrading anybody, but. That's just kind of how it is. What's the top speed in a go-kart compared to a Bandolero or a Legends car? Honestly, probably – go-kart's probably faster than a Bandolero, mm-hmm. I, I would I would say. Now, a Legend car, if you get like Orange County or something, would be – Well, faster. especially the sensation of speed. Yes. When you sit down in a cart, your ass is a half inch off the ground. Yeah. yeah. So if you're running, right. if you're running fifty, it feels like probably eighty, right? To ninety, I mean that sensation. So they run speed. about fifty, fifty-five. Most of the time you average like a sixty-five deal. You get okay. some places, you know, we run eighty, but well, you would be running like seventeen <laughs> with the blinker on. <laughs> yeah. that's, the, that's the thing. Most people think we're like racing at the signals. beach. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. He had cart the fun track, but, right, right? But it's it's a lot more involved. And what so. I'm seeing now is a lot of the you're seeing these like in Greensboro and other places the indoor karting with the electric carts. Mm-hmm. Uh, it used to be, you know, we go to Richmond and the Sodi carts were up there uh, right near the racetrack and we go uh, race. I think that's closed down now, but we would go race those things. Those were gas powered. Now we're seeing the electrics that are running inside of malls and stuff. It's AOC. Is that right? But I mean, that, that gives that kind of almost experience, just not as fast, right? Right. Okay. It does. All right. So my son has really not run a go-kart at a go-kart level yet, even being in one of those inside tracks in right. Greensboro. Okay. Right. I'm just trying to figure this out hypothetically. Yeah. yeah. Since my son's getting burned by the umpire behind the plate, he's calling damn <laughs> strikes at our balls. They sounded like strikes. Man, Jonathan, uh, we really enjoyed the hell out of this, and we want you back on. What we really want to do is the next race. When's the next race you're running for us? Because, you know, I only hear, hear about it from Hermie. Right. Uh, just like I tell him the day before we tape this podcast, I, I he tells me the day before what we got. We got to check Mr. Newman. <laughs> yeah, we, we're definitely going to do Orange County <laughs> and South Boston and then Tri-County. Well, Mr. Is, Newman was about 17 lap down at the uh, NASCAR race in New Hampshire. Did you see that? I, I'm not. I was trying to get him more NASCAR rides. Just, just saying. Yeah, I yeah. don't mean that ugly, but no, I love him to death. We were rooting for him. But <laughs> uh, personally, for me, on the karting side, Jonathan, we appreciate the partnership, and um, I think uh, what we're doing with each other is is mutually beneficial. That's the way things are supposed yeah. to work. It's awesome. They don't I mean, always especially work what you're way. doing for young and people the, and families. On the yeah, Saddle awesome. Stanley part, uh, I know that's something that you really appreciate. You've told me multiple times. Uh, appreciate that opportunity and. We hope to give you two, maybe three more opportunities this year to try to get and some more uh, merch. Get your win <laughs> in there. Some, some more. Is there going to be any Hill opportunities? Any ticket opportunities? No, I think we've just kind of decided to come unbenefited on the college team <laughs> discussion. <laughs> that was a really good game we went to, though. It was a good game. You mean the, the last home game at, at that we won and it? Did Jeffkey coach? Yeah, we didn't quite make it to that one. But <laughs> no, we did make it to the Dean Dome. My, my favorite. Well, clearly, I was left out. That's of That's your this. favorite, but my favorite is the fact that. Johnny Cash, uh, I don't know how much money you spent, but spent a significant amount of cash to go watch Zion Williams. Is it Williams or Williamson? Williamson. Williamson's last game at Cameron Indoor Stadium against the Tar Heels. And then he fell down and blew his shoe off. That's his shoe up. In the first half, and, and, and Luke May and the Tar Heels, as my brother said, Luke May pistol whipped 
the Blue Devils in Cameron wow. Indoor Stadium. Wow. How, <laughs> much did, how much did you pay Zion to uh, fall out of his shoe that night? Not, not as much as Duke paid him. The tension is all of a sudden. This was a really good conversation. Now it's getting ugly. It's like the parent <laughs> Let's go screaming at the umpire. <laughs> Let's go eat. Ladies and gentlemen. Hey, can you uh, take us to eat on your, on sure. your yacht? Hey, how yeah. about his Billy Boy's uh, birthday week, too? I turned 56 on Friday. That's true. <laughs> you don't, look a, day, you don't yeah. look a day over 62. All right, go get your fucking haircut, okay? <laughs> Weren't you supposed That's to get a haircut? Five 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 damn it, damn it. I'm going to have to bleep that one. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Jonathan Cash, we love having you on the team. We love having you here on the podcast. Everybody, we'll get again, him some more races in. Again, if you want to contact Jonathan Cash, Intestine dates. That's he needs up, two things. That's up to Hermie, umpire. Okay. He needs dates, intestine uh, dates. So, hey, did I tell you pull, that... Pull the, the weedy to one more time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so did I tell you when I walked outside before your mom left, she was outside uh, washing your marlin? She seriously mm-hmm. was. She was washing your marlin right there on the ground. It's pretty amazing. I didn't know you could wash those. Yeah. It wasn't that one. It was another one. Do you know that? You have your mama wash your marlin often? I have never asked her about that. <laughs> well, you can probably go to Pornhub and see all kinds of <laughs> washing that. Right, type in. I didn't say her. Mama washing son's Marlin. Yeah, and see what comes up. up. See what, all right, that's so. another Not podcast that's coming up next. That <laughs> I, I, I'd never seen someone washing a, a trophy fish. Only in Carolina. Was, yeah, I know. That was pretty impressive. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm Virginia State Senator Bill Stanley. I want to thank Jonathan Cash one more time. Give us exactly how we can get in contact with you that parent that may want that run on sunday or may want to buy one of your carts yeah we have a facebook pmp speed shop and also we have a website uh pmp and any of those that can uh, get in touch with us and hermy that's the same place if we want to get a hermy cart i mean yeah. whatever you're doing yeah okay yeah. all right and uh thanks guys this has been great especially the umpire talk you know thank yeah, you jonathan for bringing it back to normal we're gonna come back and we're going to talk about... <laughs> Who are we calling up tonight? <clears throat> we're going to end this podcast. Are we getting we're going to start your Yeah, well, we're going, to, we're going to talk about my piece of legislation that's gotten so many people interested in wanting to call my office late at night and say bad things to me. Look forward to that. Yeah. Hey, we want to take a moment to thank Pacematic. Yes. Again, thank Jonathan. Thank you. Shep Mouse. We thought for a while that you may be yeah. off to off the plan. Coming back with a vengeance. Well, my agent's been working on a few things. Hey, and and you wanna <laughs> you wanna pull on the weed eater one more time? No, you, why don't you why don't you why don't you like get us out of this? I'm probably uh, gonna have to with go an out. I'm probably gonna have to go pull the weed eater crank this boat. Let's talk. It's bottom of the ninth. The guys rounding third coming in. Here comes the throw from left field. It's gonna be close. You think it's a close call, but it was a really great throw from left field. And the, and the, and was the, your runner hustling? I mean, was he running full right, out? Here's the call, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Bill Stan- I'm Senator Bill Stanley, and I'm leaning right. Hermie Sadler, and I'm turning left. And he's out. He's out of there. God bless you all. We'll talk to you next time. Way to go, home. Wrong call.